welcome to a Lighthouse Faith podcast, Moving Forward in Truth and Love. I'm Lauren Green, Chief Religion Correspondent for Fox News Channel. You know, she's a Hollywood actress who seemed to have it all, beauty, wealth, and opportunity. But beneath the surface, there was a very different Andrea Logan White. Now, you might know her from movies like Mom's Night Out and Do You Believe? But underneath Andrea's facade was an insecure woman who felt at times worthless, useless, and insignificant. But then she says, through God's grace, she realized that God could use her imperfections as an example to others to help transform their lives. Andrea writes about her journey, it's warts and all, boy, you know, in her new book, Perfectly Unfinished, Hollywood Actress Discovers God's Redemptive Healing Through Brokenness. And Andrea is with me now because we're going to talk about this. And Andrea, you know, I love that title, Unfinished, Perfectly Unfinished, because it's such a dichotomy, a perfect and unfinished you know, and yes. that's exactly how we all are, right? We are. And, you know, I had a really hard time embracing the unfinished side of me because we all we show we always want to show the best side of us. Right. Mm-hmm. That's just yeah. how human nature is. And I had a really hard time with showing the side that that I was ashamed of. Um and we all strive to have this perfect life and idealistic world and everything. But we are unfinished until the day we meet Christ. Right. Mm-hmm. And. We don't. Ha- we his job is to perfect us. Our job is to just submit and surrender to that. You know. The, you know. If you saw, and I'm talking to viewers now, uh, listeners now. If you saw you walking down the street, I mean, I'm just talking. You know, if I saw you walking down the street, I would say, Oh my gosh, that's such a beautiful woman. She's so perfect. Oh, I feel terrible. I'm ugly, and da 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 da, because you're so perfect. You know. It, it, did were you ever like that when you saw a beautiful woman walking down the street and thinking, Oh, they've got it all, and I'm like nothing. Absolutely. I th- I mean, I think we're all like that in a sense because we, we have a hard time accepting our flaws and we are our own worst critic, all mm-hmm, of us. Mm-hmm. And we see the good, the bad, and the ugly. And so, but we hide behind all of those things. But yes, I think we all, we all have that. Um, but oftentimes I, I feel like I'm always humbled and I'm always, I can never try to be cool. I'm always tripping. I'm always spilling something. I'm like, you know what? Thank you, God, for a piece of humble pie because I can't get too far with trying to be cool. <laughs> but when, when did you really kind of realize that, you know, your brokenness was really part of, or your perfection or your striving for perfection was really part of your brokenness? Well, it started with as a child, and I didn't know that, that I struggled with that, but I, I had to kind of carried the burden of my family with a very dysfunctional home and mm-hmm. my mom was dating multiple men and my husband uh, my my brother got expelled from the school that we went to and so I felt like I had to carry the burdens of my mm. family and this need to be a good girl really rose up in me because I was embarrassed I was ashamed of my family it was and we we lived in a small town in right. the cornfields outside of Chicago so everybody knew everybody and it was really hard for me so that driven with um, a personality that I just could never give myself a break. It really spawned the trigger for eating disorders and trying to physically appear to be perfect. You know, uh, reading in the bio, you know, you talk about your parents' divorce when you were uh, 13. It was a major turning point in your life. And when I read that, I got really angry, and not at you, obviously, but but that because of, at parents, because mm-hmm. they don't realize that their brokenness of not being able to repair their marriage, you know, creates this waterfall onto their children so that their brokenness now becomes their children's brokenness in some way. You know, you 
had to try to be perfect, mm-hmm. to try to bring everybody back together. And, you know, and sometimes it's just incredibly adverse ways, you know. And did you understand how that was affecting you? And you, your reaction was, I've got to make this better. It's up to me. But did you realize that was really hurting you? I realized it was hurting me because I, I confessed to my mom that I was going to commit suicide. And so, yes, it was very real. Although, for me, I internalize everything. I'm an introvert, which is most actors are, believe it or not. They're introverts. No, you know, I believe they, that totally. They yeah. isolate and everything. And so, for me, I had to I – I self-punished. I was a champion at self-destruction. So, I in, you know, inwardly was punishing myself and feeling like there was something wrong with our family, something wrong with me. And so, I just – innately from a young age felt this heaviness of of trying to carry the burdens and yeah i mean when you grow up in a divorced home there's a lot of abandonment issues a lot of rejection and a lot of self-worth when you're not being affirmed and they kind of go their own ways i honest to goodness i kind of raised myself yeah yeah. so see and you talk about how your mother was more interested seeming in her own kind of needs at that point um dating a lot of men and trying to you know all of a sudden she's single again and then it's almost like, you know, oh, I don't have two kids or, you know. Yeah. So, and, and that's the, first of all, I want to preface this. Cause I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. I love my parents and we all do the best we can. Right. And right. they w- did not have a relationship with Christ growing up. So in that way, I can say, okay, God uses our mess and turns it into a message. So I am the person. We all are the people we are today because of that. Right. Um, but it's definitely something that I look back on and I was crying out, literally confessing suicide, crying out for attention. Somebody just listen to me. I'm hurting. And, mm-hmm. you know, the answer is, oh, go on medication. That's really not the answer. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Why are you hurting? Well, maybe it's because you're you're not – nobody's telling you you're not being guided by anybody. You're not being surrounded. You're not in a group of people that can actually come alongside you and walk with you through life in, in a support group, whatever it is. So um, – Something definitely has to change, and I have a passion for for teenagers because of that was my uh, a very hard time in my life, and and I can see how it can go in an instant, and and these yeah. young amazing kids with so much talent that has the rest of their life they want to end their lives early. You know, and it doesn't take a divorce. I mean, there are kids who are growing up in some of the most stable homes, but it just takes takes one incident of either uh, fr- failure or disappointment, and they start just down this down this path down this downward spiral of thinking, you know, this is the only way out. Um, one of the things, or the hallmark core of Christianity is forgiveness. Yeah. And um, were, were you able to forgive your mother? Because that's part of your healing. Yes. And and I, I think when we think of forgiveness, and when I did, when I was a, a newer Christian, I was like, oh, I'm just supposed to forgive and forget. You don't ever forget what happens to you, but you can forgive them. And oftentimes I'm like, I, I can't even forgive them, God, but but the Christ that lives in me can mm-hmm, forgive mm-hmm. them. And we all know that, um, you know, he forgives us as we forgive others. And, and that's something um, over the years, we've had a not a perfect relationship. It's not been an ideal relationship. I had to grieve the loss of a mother that's still alive, that I've always wanted this close relationship. We yeah. are – God is healing it. He's still restoring it. I mean, she read my book, and, and we're, we're good, and yeah. we're working on it. Um, but forgiveness, I believe, is a process. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I try to tell this to young people, too. I said, you know, when you, when you are old enough or mature enough to look at your parents as people – going through the same kind of 
struggles that you're going through and dealing with things of their own families and their own mothers and that brokenness causes their brokenness and it's caused your brokenness and you say okay we've got to stop the cycle right and the only way we can do that is to just forgive and 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 not try to bring that brokenness into the next next generation i mean it's a very very difficult thing it is and i find you know in my own marriage we've been married almost 15 years and so we know congratulations by the (laughs) way oh thank you (laughs) every year three children too yes three children and I have so much more grace towards my parents now that I've been married, and, and we all know marriage is not easy. It's a, it's a anything worth keeping, you have to fight for it, and you have to really work at it. And so I'm aware of that, and I believe that the things that David and I have gone through have have made us stronger. By the grace of God, we're still married, and I'm so grateful. Nothing nothing terrible, but just the journey of life of suffering. Um, but it's given me a lot more grace towards my towards my parents. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to get back to the Hollywood years because I, it's not that I want to talk about the most salacious things, but I, I really want to kind of do an exegesis of when you're in it, mm-hmm. you, you kind of know you're in it, but you don't know you're in it. And right. I think that's what is very interesting about your time in Hollywood, in particular your association with Hugh Hefner and mm-hmm. the Playboy Mansion and all of those things that people admire from outside of Hollywood, ooh, the Playboy Mansion. But yet, even while you were in there, you kind of knew that this is not the way things should be going. So yep. wh- how did you get involved? In, in, in To what extent were you involved, really? Well, so my introduction to Hollywood was an invitation to the Playboy Mansion. So I was, I was a model and doing lo- modeling in San Diego, and a commercial agent invited me up there. So I drive up with my red Honda Civic and my $20 black dress, and there's <laughs> these, you know, these dozens of gorgeous valet men opening your door, and then they walk you to the door, and on the other side of it is George Clooney, George Clooney Leonardo DiCaprio, and then I see Hef, and Hef's girlfriend at the time came up to me within five minutes and said, hi, I'm so-and-so. Um, you know, who are you here with? And, of course, I was with the commercial agent, and um, and she befriended me, and my eyes were open to this world of like, oh, this is Hollywood, and it was wow. Everybody was half naked, breast implants, perfect, you know, aesthetically perfect. Wow. And you see celebrities, I can, I can't even name all of them, and they all were dating older men, <laughs> a lot of them, uh, playmates. And so that's that was my normal because I walked into that. I was I did not have a faith then, and so that was what was normal to me. So running around and people doing things, drugs and all kinds of things that that was just beca- became my new norm. Um, funny enough, though, looking back, Hef was always kind of a father figure in my life. I'd go to their weekly dinners, and. Uh, I was very thin at the time. I was dealing with relapsing in and out of anorexia. And so he would sit next to me and say, if you want to, po- if you want to pose for Playboy, you need to eat your dinner. And you need, to, you, need to put, you need to pack on the pounds if you want to do that because obviously they're all about Marilyn Monroe and wow. breast implants. And so it's funny looking back. What because, an odd combination yes, I know. of somebody who's actually becoming a sort of a father figure, mm-hmm. but he's kind of – leading you in a way that is not the best, but right. yet he's showing you a kind of love and kindness that you're craving. Yep. And that's why he was, he was, uh, he started, he, he was an icon and a legend, but I have a heart for him because he was a, a good hearted man. And mm-hmm. um, I have a heart for a lot of people. I, I love people that, that, you know, I, I love sinners. I, I just, I hang out with God them. I love them. God loves sinners too. I know. <laughs> I know. They're fun. They're real. And, and we're all in this together, and um, and somehow God used him in, in that world to really 
get me to a point where I realize this is not fulfillment. This is yeah. this is a lot of deception, and um, these people are beautiful, but this is all you're doing. So many things to try to fill the void, and um, it was it was the wrong path for you me. Know, the 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 story of the year now is sexual harassment, and of mm-hmm. course, and sexual harassment in Hollywood now that with Harvey Weinstein and and everything. You know, all this is coming out. What was your experience like? Did you have this sort of experience of sexual harassment in Hollywood? Um, yes, more than once. And I was 20 and 21 at the time, and uh, I had an agent and a manager. The manager dropped me because I wouldn't sleep with him. And um, I had other people and advancements from older men that said they would g- give me a car, pay my rent, and in advance. Wow. And, and, and really, it's, I mean, let's be real, you're just, you're selling your soul. And I had multiple men ask that. And Many of my friends around me were doing it, and it was a very hard struggle because I did jobs that compromise my beliefs. They are in my book. I don't hide anything because I want people to know that you're never, mm-hmm. you're never going to be perfect, and God loves you just to come as you are. But yeah, it was it was a very, and that was normal. Everybody, it, it was normal. It was my friends were doing, and um, which is so powerful when you yep. talk about community because yep. if you're hanging around with people whose normal is like that, then they will mold you into that that's right you know and that's really how it's hard for my my uh, my brother um was at um had a parole board uh, Mm -hmm. in minnesota and he talked about that a lot about who you're uh, hanging around with is your community and that's more important to us when we decide to let you out of prison if you're going to go back to that life, which means you're going to come back into here, right. in the prison, or if you're going to have a whole new community of people who are going to take you down a different different path, how did you find your new community? Uh, a lot of wrong choices. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of wrong choices in realizing that I either had to move back home and I was going to be a failure in life or I had to, I had to change my life. And so I have a, something in my book called it's, – it's my stoplight moment where I had just finished an audition and I had to play a drunk girl and I could barely pay my rent. And I was living with another girl who, who had $60,000 in savings and posed for a topless magazine and she was driving a nice car and I was driving my green Isuzu Amigo and I'm crying at a stoplight, like not knowing my purpose. Like why am I here? So I had my moment where I said, God, if you're real, you need to show me who you are because I – I've lost my will to live. I, I don't know what to do with my life. Why am I here on this earth? Like, what is the deal? Right. And right. so the car next to me beeped their horn, points to the radio station and holds up a sign, drives away, and the bumper sticker says, Jesus love you. Jesus loves you. So I turned the radio station on, and it was a pastor repeating the, the words that I just cried out to God. So that was my, my moment of knowing, okay, God is not some dude up in the sky. I just had this crazy prayer answered. And I was uh, at my rock bottom moment. So that was really a shift in my in my faith and in my life to, to start going on a better path. Wow. So what did you do after that? I mean, did you go to a church? Did you – what happened? So I went back to the only church that I knew in, in L.A., which was the Malibu Vineyard. And Hef was the one who provided a limo for his girlfriend and I to go to that church. Which is a Hef was a conduit. He he's, he was Jewish of all. The irony of it all. I know, I know. The irony of God. God will use anybody. <laughs> it's like Hef. I know, you know, but I'm going to use you. Yep. And so we, the the uh, acting teacher that we both had in the it, when we moved to Hollywood, he was a Christian and he invited us to that church. So that's how Hef Hef provided our way. And that was the only church I knew. So I went back to that church. I sat in the last row in the last seat, and I just was like, okay, I need to be here. I don't know why. But I'm here. And uh, 
I, I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't want to date any men. I just was like, I knew that I had to turn my life around. And so I did that for probably six months. And then slowly but surely, these people were like, oh, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I go to this church. So it was like God started planting people around me to say, mm. you, you know, but I had, to, I had to make the first step. It was... It was a leap of faith, but I realized what I was doing, and I was homeless for a time. I had to put everything in storage and sleep on uh, a friend's couch for a good six months because I I was depleted physically, mentally, emotionally, wow. and spiritually. Wow, you know, and it's it's just powerful the sense that you had nothing and you mm-hmm. had to get down to nothing in order to. And and another point about this is that. Um, you know, if you, as you know, Christian theology says God will not impose himself on us at all. He right. will let us live our lives until we say, God, come into my life and transform my life. And that's when it all begins. That's it's, right. It's really a powerful kind of thing. So now you're back, you're, you're kind of, you know, in the different mode now. And your life has turned around dramatically. I mean, um, what happened then? I mean, how did Pure Flicks come along, and how did this happen, and what, what happened to all this? So one of the men that first came up to me when I started going back to church was David, who is now my husband, and he and his best friend were fighting over who was going to date me first. And um, <laughs> so we – I had to grow up, though. I was a baby Christian, and, and we, we have a little age difference, and so there was about a year span where God was kind of growing me up, and I had to learn what it means to be a believer and kind of lay down some of the old – things that I was doing in, in my in my old life. And uh, so David and I just started hanging out. And I said, just so you know, I'm not dating. And he said, well, just so you know, I'm dating you. <laughs> so <laughs> that was our introduction of my, my um, husband, who is very persistent. And we dated. Within three months, we knew that we, we were going to be married. And I wanted to do it the right way. And I saved myself for marriage. And um, a year and a day of our first date, we, we got married. And that was almost uh, was 14 and a half years ago. Um, David was also an actor. And uh, he started producing films in the late 90s mm-hmm. because, obviously, if you don't produce, you're just an actor out of work looking for your next job. And right. he was right. like, I need to do something. I need to keep myself busy. Right. Every so, day you want to get up and actually that's right. make something happen. Mm-hmm. So he was producing while I met him. And then we started Pure Flix two years after we got married, so 2005. And we just did straight-to-DVD films to build a library of faith-based films with that with mm-hmm. family content. Mm-hmm. And then we launched uh, PureFlix.com and PureFlix Digital two years years ago. And so it's it's obviously on like just like Netflix and we have uh, TV and we do theatricals. We did God's Not Dead that was like one of our bigger hits in 2014 that made like 60 million in the box office. Wow, that's great. 9 million the first weekend. So that was literally we had to give everything in faith of say, "Okay, God, we don't <laughs> we can't afford this, but here you go." And he blessed it and it's just been really fun to create, but I think that the heartbeat of my book is that I thought I had this thing of, okay, well, I'm a Christian. Life is going to be great and easy. And um, I, I struggled with questioning my salvation, questioning my faith. Is God really there? Because sometimes our prayers aren't answered overnight. Right. And I was this newlywed uh, who loved my husband. He loved God. We had this great – thought this great marriage, this great life, but I fell into bulimia. I was never bulimic, and then I – morphed into this awful eating disorder and question, I might, I might die from this. And mm-hmm. so the, the book is about my journey through before I was a Christian, I'm a Christian now, but life hasn't gotten any 
easier, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I know where to turn to. And God is faithful, and and we've seen Him perform miracle after miracle to see what He's. You know, we've I lost a child. We had to start over in life. Oh, you know, just very heartbreak and dealing with chronic illness. And there's things that we think, you know, just because we call ourselves Christian, like everything is going to be good. And and I was expecting rainbows and unicorns, but, (laughs) you know, there's there's peace and we have a savior. And I just want to offer people hope that our life is in our eyes might not look the way it looks, but God uses those broken places often to shine through, to shine his glory. And I had to, I had to finally realize that, that he allows these trials and these tribulations to, to, to glorify him. And to make us more refined. And now, do you know what your purpose in life is? <laughs> to love everybody and to to just encourage them. I, I have a heart for teens, like I said. Yeah. I want I want to do something with mentorship. And if I, you know, all you need is one influence to say you can do it. You are enough. God has an amazing plan for your life. And and obviously, teenagers, I have a heart for them, and a heart for people to say. Uh, I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be alive today if it wasn't for the grace of God. So I, I want to offer hope and not throw in the towel. I wanted to walk away from my faith because I thought something was wrong with me. Because why am I the only one dealing with all these these problems? But it's really uh, it's a, a refining and uh, and something that a persistence that God has given me. You know, is it hard to be a Christian in Hollywood? I mean, we talk about, you know, we talk about the den of iniquity. I mean, it is the entertainment world. I mean, but is it is it difficult to be um, um, a Christian, at least a devout Christian in Hollywood? Or, um, you know, are you are you closet Christians or are you, you know, or do you just sort of, well, let's just keep it on the down low? Yeah, you know, we're pretty bold. I'm pretty bold in my faith. And I have a hard time shutting up about God. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I think I talk too much about Jesus. But... <laughs> I we have a, a lot of friends that are closet Christians. I think God puts us in the right places at the right times, and and um, we're, we we do a lot of films with inspiration, with encouragement that have a faith based message. Not always preachy gospel, but mm-hmm, we do. Mm-hmm. Our heart is to hopefully shine the light and lead people towards a closer relationship t- towards you know with God. Um, but some of my favorite moments are when we're doing films and people are not believers and they're on our film and they become Christians and mm. we don't have to say a word. And so God works in, in amazing ways. And wow. so um, I'm not ashamed to be a Christian. Do we get passed by? Yes, of course, because Hollywood looks at money. They just look everything as, right. oh, if, if look, oh, this film made how much money? Okay, let's talk to you. That's the way Hollywood looks at it. It's more about yeah. money. But there is that's doors. why they look the other way with Harvey Weinstein. I mean, if, you know, that's if right. he's producing these great films. Well, let's just like, you know, we I don't want to know about that. That's you know, right. This stuff, you know. Yeah. You know, my theory is that every film is faith-based, um, no matter what film. It just depends on what the faith is. Right. I mean, I, 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 listen, I'm, I'm a big Star Wars fan, <laughs> but I also know that in an age where more and more young people are are kind of losing their connection with organized religion, mm-hmm. a movie like Star Wars gives them a kind of religion, a pseudo religion without truth. You know, it just it, there's no real theological basis for it it's just that oh it's just the force and you know mm-hmm. may the force be with you and and i think hollywood is do you think hollywood is finding its faith are they sort of coming back to faith because there are a lot of christians you know who want to see movies and sometimes the ones you know who are really very much schooled in their faith they really don't want to see a lot of the movies out there because it because a lot of those hollywood movies um actually insult christianity and insult religion in general yeah 
Yeah, I mean, but some of the most powerful people in Hollywood are Christians. I mean, we're Mark Burnett and Robin Downey. We, sure. we love them and we're working with them. And I, I think to each his own, you know, for us, we found a path that, that we love, that we feel like we can do what we love and also offer hope. And, um, yeah, and some people don't want to go to church. And that's and I didn't for years. I thought they, these Christian people, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm not good enough to be a Christian, which is <laughs> such a lie, right? Because God's like, come as you are. I'll, I'll clean you up. But you can get almost anybody to see a movie. And so I think that's, exactly. that's what's encouraging is because a lot of people – and today's day with the tragedy, the shooting in Vegas, I have girlfriends that were actually there physically in oh Vegas. We're surrounded by fires right now back home. I mean, so we know what when we're on our deathbed, where are we going to turn? Like what happens when we're in this life, when we die? People are hungry for that. I think we're, more people are aware of that now. They're searching and they're hungry for truth and they're hungry for, for answers. Well, it's amazing. And I want to thank you so much um, because – um, this is a really great book, and I'm going to give it to my people, <laughs> you know, because I think more people need to hear about someone like you who looks like the picture of perfection, and yet you talk very candidly about your imperfections and how that is part of God's plan. It's all part of God's plan. Um, Andrea Logan White, I want to thank you so much. The book is called Perfectly Unfinished, Finding Beauty in the Midst of Brokenness. Thank you so much for being on Lighthouse oh, Faith. Thank you, Lauren. It was such a pleasure. Really appreciate it. Thank you. And thanks for listening.